From India's largest newsroom, I'm Arun George, and this is the Times of India podcast. I met engineers. I met software engineers who had completely lost their jobs. They had to leave Kashmir and and then find jobs again in Chandigarh and Gurgaon and Noida. Bangalore, Mumbai, people who whose 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 business was on the internet, uh, they were completely their business was completely going down. They were eating into their savings. I met shopkeepers who you know who point of sales machines were not somehow functional. Their 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 transactions had come down. Life was thrown out of gear. You know, it's one thing to to say that you know once internet goes out, you can't. I mean, life doesn't stop for you. But today. our lives have been totally enmeshed with the functions that come from the internet uh, you know the kind of services i mean everything is on on internet now from your power bill uh, to to the job bhi aap karte ho i mean your phone bill every you order something from the internet everything happens with the internet today so it was it was like we were back to stone age for a moment that shakir meer who writes for ty plus describing what it was like in kashmir after article 370 was abrogated in 2019 and the internet services were shut off but surely he's overstating it stone age most of india got access to the internet in just the last decade or maybe two many of us have lived in times when the internet wasn't accessible through a handheld device why would he say that it felt like going back to a stone age I'll tell you why. Because previously, at least we had, you know, we didn't get our cars through the Uber. You know, like we didn't get the taxis via Uber or Ola. We would call them. And then the older mechanisms that existed slowly began to disintegrate. You know, in the last twenty years, so they were no longer there. So, for example, if you had a taxi stand outside, uh, because of the advent of Uber and Ola, slowly they realized their business was going down. So they shifted to another business. Similarly, you had a grocer outside, but now. due to advent of applications you could now order everything and the grocer suddenly realized that he was his business was going down and he wound up so these older avenues are no longer there so it's it's not like ki uh, you know 20 years ago again there was no internet so we could uh, it was like life 20 years back no 20 years back there were avenues uh, where we could you know we we could rely on but those avenues were no longer there they were disintegrated they were dissipated because of the advent of internet so in, in, internet had had sort of revolutionized the life and and it had become as i said enmeshed into our very you know very mundane and ordinary things in which we don't realize how important internet was was for us so you realize that you you have been deprived of all these things and that deprivation like strikes you very hard and you realize that how 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 like hobbled you have become because of the internet and now that there is no internet you are completely sort of deprived and that privation is really really very awful feeling In today's episode we're looking at a recent report that says India had the highest number of internet shutdowns in the world and that's for the 5th year running. Non-profit Access Now's report on internet shutdowns in 2022 says that India recorded 84 shutdowns in the year. The next nation ranked after India in the report is war-hit Ukraine where Russian efforts are believed to be behind the disruption of internet and it had just around 22. In India there's a wide variety of reasons for which people may find they have no longer access to the internet. One reason that's often given is to curb the spread of misinformation and to prevent communal violence. But Ramanjit Singh Chima, who is the Asia Policy Director at Access Now, explains the other reasons you might find you've lost access to the internet. 
it's a wide variety of reasons for, for sure india often claims that for example shutdowns are ordered for security or law and order related reasons very often shutdowns are often in fact justified not just to say pre- pre- prevent a potential communal incident for example they might say there's tension between communities and let's shut down the internet in order to prevent that uh but you see even other reasons given for example the home minister has on record actually said to the indian parliament that shutdowns are part of the toolkit they have to combat misinformation rajasthan has regularly shut down the internet often for examinations and this has been criticized actually by its own high court and for several years they didn't did not do so but then they again started doing it again bihar and other states have also done so where they shut down the internet often in relation to examinations or to prevent you know potential cheating uh, and what they've done in effect is they shut down the internet for sometimes millions of people near examination centers in order to prevent potential cheating um they shut down the internet in rajasthan around the time of the alleged poaching or attempts to poach members of the legislative assembly of rajasthan from the governing coalition and you actually saw there not a not just a mobile internet shutdown which is what normally happens in india but even a fixed line shutdown which is quite severe so you actually saw one district lose total connectivity because in effect the government was trying to make sure that its political majority in the assembly was kept another tool frequently used is the throttling of internet speeds where you have access to the internet but just about shakir meer who you heard earlier has long term experience of this in kashmir the state incidentally had the most number of recorded internet shutdowns according to the access now report shakir explains what it's like when you have a throttled internet connection so uh, that happens mostly on on either independence day or or republic day or when there is an encounter a gunfight nearby or there is some big event going on in which security protocol is such that you have to throttle or block internet services so what happens is that uh, your youtube would not open you can't send mails you know mails that are heavier than certain mbs uh, you wouldn't be able to open any of your social media in proper you'll have to go back to facebook ka wo basic version you'll have to use that one it's as good as not having an internet you uh, you can't access news even if you haven't downloaded the times of india application and you get you do get a notification that there's a particular news but when you click on it the the application wouldn't open because of the lack of sufficient internet bandwidth uh, so those problems we encounter in today's episode we're in conversation with access now's ramanjit singh chima about how our access to the internet is controlled We discussed the issue of content takedowns on various platforms and the perils of having a highly policed internet. Raman, India topped the global list again in terms of internet shutdowns, but what's also clear is that the number of absolute shutdowns has reduced. What do you ascribe that to? I think it's important to remember that in fact firstly India did see an increase in shutdowns during the pandemic across 2020 2021 but I think what is important in telling is that those are the years also as you know that saw major political protests and the government often sometimes issuing multiple shutdowns within a short period of time even in the same area so the total numbers sometimes was just higher across 2020 2021 as a response to widespread you know political repression including the use of internet shutdowns responding to earlier the caa protests and then of course the farmers protests particularly across north india so that's one reason why we suspect the total number may be low but i think it's very important to note that our shutdowns data in the keep it on report that we published 
we recognize it as a conservative number. It probably, in fact, misses many shutdowns that take place. It undercounts. But also one problem that is there when it comes to internet shutdowns, particularly in India, is that a lot of the uh, data around them actually comes from public reports. It comes from reports from the news media or, for example, occasionally from the publication of government orders themselves. But that's rare. In fact, without jumping too much into other issues, that's something that Indian courts and the Indian parliament itself has noted and said that actually we don't have a true count of shutdowns in India. And that's alarming because the government, which has the data, refuses to publish it or refuses to acknowledge that it actually has the data. It required, it took the Supreme Court multiple you know, hearings and its pronouncement of his judgment on the Kashmir shutdown in the Anuradha Basin case for it to say that all orders restricting liberty online, including internet shutdowns, must be published by government authorities, whether the center or the states. And even now, regularly states or even the center are sometimes, you know, refuse to comply with that order. So it's a very scattered approach. And that's one reason why we might have these lower numbers, which itself shows you a larger problem that India has a shutdown not just a numbers problem, but it has perhaps a shutdown impunity problem is leading to a situation of lawlessness by the government itself restricting access to a medium that's now critical to our daily lives. But when it comes with something like the spread of a rumor, rioting, or even an exam, uh, the argument is, look, we cannot stop this in any other way. And this is the fastest way to sort of clamp down on it. So then why then would you argue that you keep the internet on? Because you do know that, say, instant messaging apps are the fastest way to spread a rumor. So if I remember, firstly, when you shut down the internet, you in fact increase the spread of rumors through other means. People don't have access to information or messaging. And they start, as you know, rightfully so, they start getting fearful. They start talking to each other. They're not sure what's going on. But more importantly, I think just talk to the fact-checking community directly, the people whose job it is to counter disinformation, to point out misinformation, and to be able to provide accurate, valid facts. The fact-checking community does not believe that internet shutdowns are a useful tool to combat misinformation. Jan Reisleib, a scholar, and he published this when he was affiliated with uh, Stanford University, put out a paper that noted that actually shutdowns seem to not make communal situations or potential riot situations better. They may make it, they seem to actually be making them worse. And given that we know shutdowns don't help fact-checking and they don't seem to actually reduce communal polarization and tension, then we should be very, very cautious of any claim that shutdowns are actually a valid tool to combat misinformation. And what about exams? For examinations, you try to address the problem itself, right? And the problem is cheating, that people have organized efforts to try and circumvent, for example, getting access, if it's an online exam, to the actual questions, leaking them, or spreading information to people in centers themselves. Combat that. If you think the issue is that people are using electronic devices or access to the internet at centers, prevent them from taking them in, or even consider other mechanisms suppress cell connectivity or Wi-Fi connectivity there, whether by switching off Wi-Fi routers within that school building or elsewhere, or examination center, or even, and I don't recommend this as a a consistent solution, but if you believe there's a very particular uh, effort to circumvent integrity of examinations and you need to prevent access, perhaps even deploy a jammer in that complex, but absolutely shutting down the entire internet, whether just the mobile internet in a district or even a small area, a city block is not an acceptable way to combat examination issues. So, you know, the Access Now report also points to this use of speed throttling, which is the reduction of speed of the internet that we have access to. What's even the 
purpose behind that and you know how widely is that used and again like yes the usage varies and that's part of the reason also why we noted the shutdown numbers for india are conservative because throttling is not always reported in fact throttling often requires detection it requires people who are affected to report it to talk about it publicly but to go to your point and why it's done it is because of course if you throttle connectivity the critical video or voice communication services that people use don't always work well you can similarly make voice services significantly degrade or break down to a point where people can't use that and remember there's also an income and a class dimension there right that people who find it you know uh, easiest to text are those who are literate and educated and when those who aren't would often depend on say just video or voice calling using data or using the regular tel- the telecom network but also sometimes it's done intentionally to make certain services or apps just not work of course its consequences are severe and not just for now but even say back during the peak of the pandemic when throttling was done in parts of german kashmir people reported how it frustrated the provision of emergency medical care you see journalists for example very often more often than not depending on te- telecom connectivity to report particularly for an independent journalist not working with a large news group that might have access to say a satellite ob wan that can transmit from an area you would file using your phone and when the internet is throttled you would be forced to type out the entire thing and send that and again many reporters may not easily be able to do that and important things like eyewitness testimony from say a conflict zone a riot situation or a situation of say alleged corruption or misuse of authority by public agencies or government forces will not be easily reported because that live compelling video just will not get transmitted it will not get shared so one argument that has been uh, used in india especially is the fact that you know us based tech companies shouldn't perhaps officiate on what is dangerous and what isn't because by the time they perhaps act on it it has perhaps spread too fast and you do need some sort of local control with it um you've even seen how social media has been used to promote say violence or even disinformation so wouldn't say local controls help in that context i think local responsible mechanisms anchored in law are certainly a clear solution shutdowns are not throttling is not and i would even argue that entire website of web content blocking and censorship is also not you want companies to be accountable for the decisions they make on content moderation and i do believe that we have to also recognize the reality that all forms of say content moderation or content governance online may not always happen by through a legal order there will always be voluntary takedowns or self policing mechanisms that services and platforms will follow but we want them anchored in clear human rights respecting processes because the companies themselves are not accountable and as we know even in the situation of india they sometimes make political decisions favoring certain parties or communities which is concerning and i think that's why you want clear responsible mechanisms to do this mechanisms that are subject to independent oversight for example i would say if you are forcing platforms to take down a block content make that a requirement of a court order or a judge or, or a judge's order in india today it is uh, and this is what a colleague of mine pranesh prakash has famously said he said it is easier to block a website in india than it is to ban a book because to ban a book you need to put out a public notice seek comment or objections and then only you can ban it or block it you uh, you cannot in the same manner apply that logic to the internet because what instead the government does is they issue secret blocking orders without even 
telling people they're blocking them, let alone doing a public notice and comment type process. But I want to like stress this, that it is very important for us to recognize that we do want to make tech sector firms accountable. We want to make sure we know what they're doing for content moderation. We want to know what data they're keeping of individuals. But that doesn't excuse the abuse of governmental power and of authority. Just because big tech is acting badly doesn't mean we allow our own government to trample our rights. The Access Now report also points to new norms that would effectively give an internet kill switch to the government at its own discretion. If that does come about, what is your biggest fear about it? They've been saying, we will change the IT Act, we will replace it by a new standalone law, which they call sometimes the Digital India Bill, a proposed Digital India Act. Uh, what it contains is not clear because they, there's no clarity on the public conversation. And I think that's what, again, people are worried about, that it would perhaps legitimize shutdowns further. And when they had, in fact, proposed a new telecom bill, and some of you may know that that actually seemed to got backtracked on later. The government hasn't been public about it at all because everyone seemed to be unhappy with that proposed law. That also would have sanctified or allowed shutdowns to continue. So those are some of the things that are taking place that we need to be very alarmed by. But more importantly, remember, the current shutdown rules in India are made possible thanks to a rules framework. They could change it today. In fact, the Indian Supreme Court said that. They said, while we're not going into whether shutdowns are legal or not, we believe that these IT rules require review because they don't seem constitutionally clear to us, constitutionally clean or kosher. The government's not done that. So it's a moment where the government should perhaps not just prevent further bad legislation from coming. The Modi administration could fix this tomorrow. They are being asked by courts in India to fix this for months. Their own MPs are asking them to do this and as recently as this quarter. And one hopes that they would fast track this, particularly during 2023, this year, while they're hosting the G20 process and flagging that India is the world's largest democracy and also a teacher to other countries. So would it then be something like a consumer complaint? Like, Because fundamentally, even a consumer is losing out, right? Like, because I fundamentally don't have access to many things that I should have access to. Doesn't that in turn motivate people to cancel shutdowns in some sense? Because you are having economic and social losses as well. Yes, significantly. And let me just talk about it, the consumer concern, consumer law concern. For example, I have paid for X service. It's been blocked for this period, particularly internet access. Shouldn't I have a right of compensation? The telcos themselves also talk about how it's a bit tricky and they want certainty from the government. And unfortunately, there the Telecom Regulatory Authority of India, TRAI, has been silent. As you noted, it has massive economic impacts. You have entire categories of services. Imagine a, a country where the prime minister is asking for everything to be cashless, for everything to be digital and digitally transacted, and the internet goes down. How can things work? And that's what's already happening today. India's fintech sector perhaps sees countless losses based on just my own approximation. When the internet is shut down, even mobile internet and trades can't go through. And even emerging technology, Arun. For example, the Indian government wants to make all of our highways smart highways. They want to promote electric vehicles and EVs across, say, all of India, all of India's main highways. Well, do you know that when the internet goes down, electric vehicles can't charge because they need to depend on the internet in order to connect and make sure billing happens? Smart devices, the internet of things that, again, the government is so keen on, depend on always on connectivity, whether mobile or fixed line. In fact, more often than not mobile. Sometimes the government has gotten around this by saying, or by relying on the fact that wired connectivity is often not closed off. So when they do a shutdown, they may not switch off broadband connections because the rich, the privileged, and others have access by uh, fixed connections and the banks and other institutions do. But increasingly in our world today, the, the, the line between wired and wireless is 
pointless and meaningless. Everything needs wireless connectivity in some manner. And that's again why the future or even the present of India and digital India today cannot coexist with an internet with an India where shutdowns take place. So the you know the worst model of an internet has always held up as being the Chinese model where it's a completely walled garden and the state's completely in charge of it. How close do you believe something like an India is to what is now termed as a splinter net where we have an internet but it's this perfect version? I think it's something that we have to keep in mind as an alarming uh, road that India is going down on. Because more often than not, as you noted, we are compared to China in the way we are trying to promote information controls in different ways. We may not do a great firewall, but then we're the world's largest perpetrator of internet shutdowns, which even China doesn't do as much as India does. And you even see cases where, for example, services have exited India saying, we think the rules and regulations you're creating are hostile to an open, secure internet. For example, um, last year when the Indian government passed very problematic cybersecurity reporting regulations, from its computer emergency response team, which seemed to be targeting VPN services. Countless VPN and network providers said, we will stop offering Indian billing, we will exit the Indian market. What happens if we do end up in that sort of walled garden? Like, is it really such a bad thing to have given we really, you know, finally, you could argue that I use maybe less than 10% of the wider internet. Will I really miss it if that... 100% is reduced to say 80% and I have access only to that convenient version. I think you will see people stand up. So I think again, if you notice Indians do, no matter what, have a certain uh, attachment to the liberating power of what the intent has made possible for them. Sometimes even in dangerous ways, right? We have seen an incredible amount of say hate speech and other things take place using the internet in India as well. But you see that sort of willingness for people to stand up and talk about this. Remember back in 2015, on an issue as arcane as network neutrality, namely whether telecom companies should be allowed to further regulate and control you know, the internet that they provide you and to further profit from it. You saw millions of Indians stand up to provide their comments and use to the government and the telecom regulator. And even today, in fact, you could say the government is very alive to that concern and is very careful about what it says or it tries to, in fact, play to the gallery by talking about combating big tech or combating national security concerns because they know people do have strong view. But I think, again, India's sort of value addition compared to many others in even in the regions to say, we're an open society interconnected with these global networks, including the West. We, in fact, for example, depend on design, innovation in tech. You will see that India's real you know, advantage really is its capability to collaborate, innovate, sell, design, and do all of that stuff. And that depends on open services. It depends on us using Zoom today, for example, to conduct this podcast, and tomorrow perhaps doing it on Signal or an Indian application or service that interconnects with this. So that is critical there. And I think more importantly, as we see, right, India is such a large, complicated polity with very different markets, even between, say, North India and other parts of the country, even between different parts of the South, that actually that freedom is very critical. And the bigger you know, issue is this. It may not even be that people may not you know, realize what they're missing, but you will see the key innovators and the key people building services say, we rather just not take the risk of continuing in India. We'd rather go elsewhere. Or even worse for us, on a human rights perspective, they will say, we need to service the Indian market. And then if that means we won't even tell the government when it's sending us an illegal order, we'll do that. And that's what's most alarming to me, that actually parts of industry, because of the size of the Indian market, sometimes might say, oh, well, like, we'll go along with it, even if, you know, we know it's not proper, even if we get into trouble in other countries, because, you know, we're not sure other people might uh, stand up to support us. And that's one reason why we need to have these open conversations on this topic. 
Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY Plus, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at typodcast at timesinternet.in.